Welcome back to my tunes, Charles Cronk, Roy Hill, my guests uh, this week. Roy, you mentioned yesterday uh, the Beatles, Bob Dylan as influences for you. Charles, what about uh, your musical influences, if you have any? Uh, Roy mainly, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mutual Admiration Society. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think um, you know the Beatles were, were were massive and in in my sort of growing up period. But uh, my sister was eight years older than me, so by the time you know she was sort of seventeen, eighteen, buying records, I loved Elvis Presley. She was bringing Presley in, and I never heard anything like it, you know. And she was bringing all, um, you know, used to be able to sneak her LPs on when she was out and things. So I had quite grounding in in stuff. But the Beatles massively big and of course around West London where I grew up um, it was a big R&B area mm. you know the old coming out of the blues so you had the pretty things the R-Birds the, yeah. all, all that, they, they were all big influences on us at school Motown and Motown and Stacks Atlantic I loved as well all the acts on it and um, Beach Boys yeah, you name it. All the <laughs> you know, Roy. The the beauty of social media these days is that uh, videos crop up on YouTube, uh, which nobody's ever seen before. And I came across one a few months ago of the Roy Hill Band on Revolver in 1978. Oh, yeah. And bizarrely, yeah. that was compared or introduced by Peter Cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's, uh, was, there's some great footage of you in the uh, it, it, in the 70s there. I remember I remember doing I mean, 1978 was um was quite, uh, that was the year that my first and last album for Arista came out. <laughs> it was the year it was the year I met Chaz because that was the year I toured with Straubs and that program was called Revolver. Yeah. It was uh it was recorded at ATV in Birmingham. And what they used to do was they used to get a, a bunch of bands together and then I think they edited them up later into what they felt were, would make the best show. Yeah. So so the bands you were there with on the day weren't necessarily the bands that were going to be on the show sure. that you were featured on. Yeah. So I remember that the day that I was there, Billy Idol was there. That was Generation X then. Yeah. yeah. Alvis Costello was there. Um, and... To be honest, I stood out like a sore thumb because the <laughs> seven, 78 was the really, the, probably the pinnacle of punk. Yeah. I, I suppose I was trying to be a bit punk mm. just to join in. Mm. You know, so mm. I was trying to sneer a bit and all of that kind of stuff. But I really, I really wasn't. Um, I was never sure why I was on there. <laughs> Because you could tell their whole attitude was, you know, everything about it was punkish. Mm. Mm. And and I wasn't, you know, I was really, don't get me wrong, I was really glad of the opportunity to be on it. it you know, it, it was it was great, but I, I did stick out, you know. I sort of, I wasn't, um, I wasn't what the other boys were sort of thing. And because um, I remember, I, I remember a lot at that time trying to be more punk. I've got, I've got embarrassing tapes, you know, where I'm trying trying to be ever more punk, you know, and it really, it really is pretty dismal stuff. You know? <laughs> Chaz, you don't strike me as a punk in any way whatsoever. Were you at the time or not? No, not <laughs> no. really. <laughs> not really at all. No, I mean, I guess you know, I was with uh, being with Straubs in the late seventies. Bands like that were, you know, directly in the face of it in a sense, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could see it changing the music business and the way the A and R people and the record companies started to look for music and what they wanted. It, mm. it changed things a bit. A mm. bit, you know. Mm. You came after the part of the union era of the Straubs, did you not? 
Immediately after, yeah. yeah so in the, you got away with not appearing on the Top of the Pops in those ridiculous costumes that they were wearing I at the did, time. I did, yeah. I, did, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, obviously, there, there was a kind of a, a reaction to all that within the band. You know, Dave Cousins hadn't written part of the Union, for instance. It was Hudson Ford song yeah. via some American influences. But, um, you know, so the band actually split up in the kind of aftermath of all that because uh, it was... It, it was way against what they've been doing for the previous 10 years you know mm. so um yeah i was part of the new look really i came in with the the drummer from steelers will rod coombs and and uh, a legendary sort of 60s keyboard player called john hawkin mm. from the nashville teens and oh, yeah. we all joined at the same time and the idea was definitely to get it back on a more shall we loosely say arty progressive rock track you know sure. and it worked in america but really the aftermath of part of the union here meant that British audiences were confused. So the band worked more more in North America throughout the 70s than it ever did here. Mm. Uh, your song for today, Chaz, what have you chosen as your, as your first of two? A shameless bit of self-promotion, really. I, I was thinking a Straub song from the 70s called I Only Want My Love To Grow In You. Okay. Um, it was the nearest thing we got to a hit record, and if it hadn't been for some skullduggery, it would have been a hit record probably. But uh, <laughs> it certainly uh, yeah, was the first sort of thing I ever co-wrote with Dave Cousins that um, really got a lot of airplay. Yeah. You know, Noel Edmonds' record of the week and that kind of thing at the time. Yeah. Maybe it sounds dated now, but it was a, you know, I, I loved it as a kind of purely kind of commercial single. Okay. Nothing wrong with a bit of self-promotion. Let's have a listen. <laughs> Yeah. 
Ah!